Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE Podcast. Today is Thursday, January 6th, 6th, 2022. It is a new year. We are talking about the first episode of Dynamite of the new year, and we got a whole bunch to get into per usual, so let's not waste any more time on an introduction and get right into it. Came to AEW to dominate. Jungle Boy Jeff Perry. Nobody is gonna take this away from me. This is mine once again. All right, you guys. I hope you all had a wonderful New Year's. I hope you celebrated, didn't celebrate, whatever you have to do on New Year's that makes you happy. I hope you did it, and I hope you're doing it today and every day. The more you know. Do do do. All right. Let's get into this week's episode of Dynamite. But as always, real quick, guys, I'm going to do the thing. You all know it's coming. It happens almost every week, unless I forget. I'm going to quickly plug Patreon. It's a dollar a month for all of these shows on the unofficial WWE podcast. All ad-free, $1 a month, patreon.com slash the WWE podcast, or download the Patreon app and just search the WWE podcast. Your other option, too, is $2.99 a month on iTunes. Subscribe. You get all these shows ad-free. Included in both those deals is some exclusive shows as well, including Wrestling Nostalgia, which, if you don't know, is a show that Matt does going back in time in a bunch of old events in wrestling, whether it's matches or promo battles or something. He goes back and talks about them, and it's one of my favorite shows on this podcast as a whole. So make sure you're subscribed on Patreon. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Heck, do both. Why not? What's stopping you? You know? All this stuff ad-free, it's a pretty good deal, and um, I hate ads, and I'm sure you guys do too. But they do make the world go round, so... All right, no more talking about all that stuff. I want to get into this episode of Dynamite, because I am fired up about 2022 AEW. And in regards to 2021 AEW, I would say huge success, big success, you know, TBS deal, and you got Hangman Page as the world champion, CM Punk returning, Adam Cole coming to AEW, Brian Danielson, Ruby Soho, that whole all-out pay-per-view. We had a bunch of awesome stuff that went on in 2021, but my match of the year, guys, my match of the year is still Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki on a YouTube buy-in for Rampage. Wild. Wild. But for me, it was just the match that made me feel the most. I, I can't... Um... <sighs> there were definitely a lot of better stories told than a lot of better matches, and there were probably better worked matches. But subjectively, my favorite match to actually watch, the match I'm probably going to go back and watch the most, the match I've already gone back and watched the most... Probably Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki. Just so much fun. So, subjectively, that was my favorite match of the year. And the reason I say that is because here we are, five days into the new year, January 5th, 2022. You guys can do math. I didn't need to say that. And we've already got our match of the year candidate. And it was the first match on Dynamite, the first official match on TBS, and it was Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson. 
for the AEW Championship. Three judges at ringside, and we uh, were going to them, obviously, if we went over an hour once again. But Paige Danielson, match two. I think I liked it more than match one, guys. I think... I think the blood definitely really helped. I At first, when, when Paige first cut him, he was out in the steel steps and he first cut himself open. I was kind of like, ugh, come on, really? Like, we have to do this again? Like, I just I didn't think it was necessary. And if you guys remember on my podcast, too, I said, I, I think, I, I didn't think he bled a lot. Like, I didn't think he, he, listen, the bunny put every professional wrestler ever to shame on Rampage who has ever bled in a professional wrestling match. You know what? The bunny has put everybody in the entire world who has ever bled ever to shame because she looks so I, words can't I, can't I can't even I'm not even gonna bring the thesaurus out this week guys she looked amazing in that match that pure plunder brawl on rampage that made no sense but was also awesome and probably the only thing anybody's gonna remember from that feud because the rest of it was kind of crap those women those women that was one of my favorite matches of the year, too. What do you know? Just because it was fun to watch and they put their bodies on the line. It was really dangerous and cringeworthy, cringeworthy at some points. And, oh, my God, are they going to be okay? Yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, they're professionals. And when you just watch it with, like, knowing that and just watch it for an enjoyable experience and don't try to analyze this and that, that match was so much fun. And the bunny is the greatest bleeder in all of professional wrestling. I mean, she's beaten Roman Reigns in the demos. Uh, if you guys didn't hear on Rampage. So she's clearly got something going for her. 2022, I am a fan of the bunny. I, I never thought I would say that. Uh, anyway, so we were talking about Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson. And I got talking about the bunny. But that just shows you how bonkers that match was on uh, on Rampage. So I did want to quickly mention that. As I was saying, though, Hangman Page was by the steel steps. Cuts himself open. I'm like, oh, really? You really need to bleed again in this match? And then he really starts bleeding, bleeding. And it gets in his hair. And it starts again at the end of the match, too. And then I'm like, all right, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm into it. Maybe it was a good decision. Maybe maybe I stand corrected. And then Brian Danielson starts bleeding. And he starts bleeding from one side of the head. And he really looks like he starts hemorrhaging. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, I'm never, I'm going to shut up and just never judge something. I'm just not ever, I don't, I'm not an analyst. This should never be critical of anything ever again in my life because, oh my God, did it add so much this match. And I know it sounds like such a silly thing to talk about, but it really, it really does add just to the pure violence. And this became a fight. I was a little, I was a little worried, guys. I was a little worried when it started off slow. And we I thought the jumping jack thing was cute again and doing it in front of the uh, the judges and, and, uh, and all that other stuff. I thought Brian Danielson being Brian Danielson in the beginning was cute for a little while. But I started to get nervous when the match pace didn't really pick up. I thought they were going to come out full guns blazing. Maybe we get a 15 to 20 minute match. And I really thought they were going to have a contrast. But this match went for a while. I don't have the time in front of me, but it went for a good amount of time. I, from what I remember, it didn't feel like it towards the end, but, um, I did think it dragged a little bit in the beginning and I was nervous. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing because I think because it did that, because it felt like it dragged a little bit, a little bit in the beginning the ending and the when it really picked up was so much more powerful. I mean, the the fast moonsault out to the outside when he finally actually connected, when Paige finally connected. Oh my gosh. And that, whatever that like Spanish fly power slam was off the top rope to Brian Danielson looked incredible. I 
think my heart stopped for just just a good second and a half, right? When Brian Danielson hit the knee, they did the one, two, three. I really, they got me on the near fall. I was really nervous that Brian Danielson was going to win. And when he was in the submission too, in the LaBelle lock, they really got me there once again. So yes, I went into this match. I went into this match thinking Hangman Page, obviously he's going to retain. But as I got through the match, or as we were sitting in the match, I was like, they got me on those. They 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 had me emotionally invested, uh, because the match they put on was incredible, and I could have believed that they would have done a title change in that moment. We're gonna talk about another title change later on in the show that I'm gonna be upset about. But with all that being said, I really thought Hangman Page Brian Danielson two was even better than the first one. Um, I don't. You know what? I don't want to say that. I, I think they're different. And this, although it still went for a while and it was still a cardio masterpiece, was not an hour long. Uh, so it's kind of hard to compare the two. However, I think these guys went out there and wrestled their match, not the match they thought other, not the match that they thought other people thought they needed to wrestle. They wrestled what they thought was going to be good and entertaining, and they were right. And it was so. It was just that. It was just that. It was so good and so entertaining. And I thought the blood, actually, when you really think about the storyline, became worth it, especially towards that part of the match, especially towards when Brian Danielson got opened up. I don't think I've ever seen Brian Danielson bleed, or very rarely. So it really, it added even more of an effect to the whole thing, I thought. But, like, this feud had gotten so personal over and over and over again, and Brian Danielson had just been pushing Paige and pushing Paige that I think the violence actually really became necessary, and I think it climaxed in the match perfectly as well. Uh, and I loved on the third time I was, I was, uh, of, of course you guys know this. I was watching the show with my fiance and we we're sitting here watching. And I said, watch after he, he, uh, after hangman missed the second buckshot, I was like, Oh, watch wrestling. They do it in threes. He's going to hit it on the third time. And what do you know? He hit it on the third time. And, and sometimes that predictableness is good because they're not only catering to somebody uh, who, like my mind that just like takes note of all this weird nuance in professional wrestling and, and, and can find out this stuff. We're going to talk about that later too, actually, because I, I had a couple other guesstimates that, that happened as well. But yeah, guys, I mean, I think Hangman Page left this as well, feeling even more like a champion than he went into it. And I thought that about the first match, but I felt that way more about the second match. And I think this whole feud did such a good job of making Hangman Page still feel like the underdog, even though he was a champion. And not in your typical, like, size, Rey Mysterio, Darby Allen kind of underdog way, you know, but in your confidence. Brian Danielson exuded such confidence. And throughout the match, when you had Hangman Page all bloodied up and whatever, and he starts doing the jumping jacks, oh my god, I I popped out of my socks. I popped so hard for that. I thought it was so, so, yes, it was like a cute little detail, but it was also such good storytelling of, yeah, Hangman Page believes in himself at this point, right? He gets so irritated with this cocky you-know-what, right, that eventually they just got violent with each other, and he had enough confidence in his, in his self, in himself, words together, sentence, guys. Mm-hmm. He had so much confidence in his self that it was basically like a... <laughs> Uh, metaphorical fu, you know what I mean, and um, and I just thought it was such a nice beat, and I thought this whole story of it throughout the match was put together really well, and I thought they guys they stuck to their guns rather than listen, because I didn't call, I didn't hear anybody calling that this was the match, this that this match was gonna go this way, um, and it was it was really awesome, and the last little thing I'll mention is the Gotch style pile driver, a la Minoru Suzuki, for the near fall. 
I thought was really, really like a nuanced thing too, where it almost like planted a seed in my mind because I was like, wait a minute. You beat Minoru Suzuki with the knee and then commentary said something about it as well. It just was a good, it, it, to me, it threaded the two things together and it just made me buy that near fall even more. I don't know if that made, that one made any sense to you guys, but it's the way my brain worked as I was watching this. So obviously, yes, Paige retains. He hits the buckshot lariat. The third, on the third attempt, hits it, gets the one, two, three, puts Brian Danielson away. And, um, and he gets up, right? And then he just falls back over. Oh, my God. The selling was so good in this match, too. And the minute that Hangman Page started bleeding, Brian Danielson moved from the arm to just attacking him in the head. Like, he lost his game plan because he just got too violent with him. I thought that was a really good story as well. And let me just last... Okay, last but not least, guys, and I promise I will move on. Hangman Page, Brian Danielson, a healthy Kenny Omega. And that is all I will say. I'm just going to leave that there. Because next up we had MJF versus Sean Dean. Except little did we know. Little did we know. There wasn't going to be too much this match. However, I didn't. I enjoyed the segment. But obviously MJF and Sean Dean. The bell rings. They're about to start. CM Punk runs down. Goes to attack MJF. MJF leaves the ring. And CM Punk attacks Sean Dean. Gets the disqualification. MJF loses. Sean Dean wins. 2022 MJF has a win excuse me has a loss on his record to start off the new year and we all know obviously with one loss on your record makes a big deal on the rankings and um I had a feeling that they might start doing something like this with CM Punk and I wasn't sure exactly how I was gonna feel about it my first thought was god CM Punk is just like you did you didn't need you didn't need to hit him with a GTS poor Sean Dean here however uh I like the story of CM Punk just getting in MJF's way. The issue I have with this, though, is it does, it breeds a lot of questions like, well, why doesn't a lot, why don't a lot of people do this when they don't like somebody? And like, what? It just, it, it, the believability can get a little bit touchy here. However, it's two of the greatest guys in wrestling period right now so I have a lot of faith that they're going to do really well with the storyline that they're going with here and obviously we're getting the match between Wardlow and CM Punk next week and I did like this I think I think I had to turn off my analytical brain and just enjoy this for what it was to really enjoy it and and I mean this was awesome the only thing I will also say too is the back and forth there were a lot of good lines there were a lot of good lines guys it was the line about uh, Roddy Piper main eventing in WrestleMania, CM Punk never has, and then from MJF. And then there was a line to MJF about the fact that he could go and get released faster than he finishes in bed or something like that. And you know what? Every now and then, I'll take the cheap pop like that. That was funny. And, you know, we're going a lot at WWE lately. But, you know, I don't know. I I'm, I'm think I'm living for the pettiness, guys. <laughs> I think I'm living... For the little, like, The Miz comment. God knows CM Punk just can't stand The Miz. And um, and the main eventing wrestling. I think they need to, like, cool it at a point now. I want to see this get personal. I know MJF brought off CM Punk's uh, dog a little while ago. I don't know. Don't leave the dog out of this. But, like, I just I want to see it get a little bit more personal. And a little less, like, uh, cute WWE cuts. Like, it almost feels like it's AEW taking shots at WWE. Sometimes not these two taking shots at each other when little like things like this get brought up or these lines get brought up. And it's not like these lines aren't entertaining and the segment isn't good. But when you're actually going to have the feud, right? CM Punk's chasing this man down to try to get in a match with him. 
I want to know why I want I want more focus on the hatred between them and less focus on the hatred of another company. And that's me saying that, guys. That is me. And you all know, because Logan Meyer 23 told us a while ago that I am negative and apparently I probably hate WWE. So that's not me saying that. So take that with a grain of salt. But CM Punk also looked great. Everybody looked great. Notice a lot of people got a haircut. Hangman Page, CM Punk. And we're going to talk about later on. We're not going to talk about that. I take that back. We're not going to talk about people's haircuts later on. I mean, we might. We might. I'm not going to make that promise either way because I'm not sure where we're going to go with that. All right, but next up we had uh, Wardlow squash match again. Nothing new to say about this stuff. Uh, nothing new to say about this stuff, guys. Except this time, Sean Spears hit, um, I forget what the move is called, but he hit a big, terrible move out on the outside and then threw him back in uh, the ring and then Wardlow powerbombed this guy five times. Uh, so there was that. And there was progression in this storyline again. And I'm, I'm not, I feel like I come on here and I sound really ugh, about this. I'm actually, I do enjoy it. I don't think it was necessary this week, though. I, I didn't, especially because you're having Wardlow versus CM Punk. I, I just didn't, especially right after, like, segment after segment. Maybe maybe if they switched it up in the show a little bit, but I don't know. It wasn't. It was not necessary for me. So, uh, this week, I think, um, I think if you want to do the slow burn, then you don't need to do this with me every week. I know we are coming up to that Face of the Revolution match. Revolution match. But I don't know. This could have been something that was done on Dark for me. Um, and then we had Chris Jericho coming out and he really just talked about New Jersey, talked about TBS. I mean, Chris Jericho's over as all hell. Got a great smile too. Chris Jericho's hair looked great as well, actually. Uh, and it was cool to see New Jersey singing Judas as always guys. I mean, it's when you see somebody who's that over and it gets that good of a reaction, it's hard not to, um, it's hard not to be into it. Um, but this was nothing new as well. You know, 2.0 came out. Jericho talked about Pinhead and Squarehead or something. And then we got Daniel Garcia, who also got a haircut. And we got uh, Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful coming out. And there was a little brawl. And then we're watching that on Rampage. So not much to analyze here. Uh, getting hyped up for Rampage. And it's good to see Chris Jericho be able to, like, yeah, like have his flowers. And the man probably deserves it for a while, you know. Been putting his body on the line for 30 plus years in this industry. I think Chris Jericho coming out and, you know, having a moment with the fans. I'm all for it. That's really all this felt like it was for though. Uh, all right, next up TBS championship tournament final Ruby Soho versus Jade Cargill. And, um, this brings me to the issue that we had this week with, uh, Tony Khan and, um, Tony Khan and Big Swole. And I don't want to. I don't want to overshadow the work that these two women put in the ring. However, I didn't know when the best time to even talk about this, or even if it was necessary to talk about this at all. But I did feel like it affected this match to an extent, so that's why I want to talk about it. And um, and all I will say, as a as somebody who has somebody who's not qualified to speak on the topic, let me put it that way. Somebody who's probably not qualified to speak on the topic at hand. The only thing that I will say is it was a stupid tweet. Tony Khan, it was a stupid tweet. It just was a, it felt very petty and childish. And if you have to name people on your roster, it just, it was a petty tweet. And, um, and no good, like when has like a good thing been solved by like a tweet back? 
Like, when does that when does that end well for anybody? It was immature and it was a stupid tweet. And uh, say what you want about what Big Swole said. If you agree with it, if you don't agree with it, all I will say is Tony Khan, as the you know owner of this company, and um, as a as a yeah, it, it just it was a stupid tweet, and it set this match up for failure to me. Right, this match already had a lot riding on it. The women's division is already set back so far because AEW themselves have set the precedent that you can go pee during the women's matches. Uh, that sign a couple of months back was awful, but like, yeah, they set the precedent that when the women come out, it's time for a pee break because they told us not to care about the women's division. And as much as I am on this podcast every week, guys, telling you, let's get this women's division going, I will get DMD tattooed on my body if they get this whole thing going. That is how devoted I am to seeing women get just as much equal time, equal treatment as men do in professional wrestling because turns out they're just as good. You just got to give them a chance. They just don't have nearly as many advantages and chances as the men do. Uh, you can try to argue that with me ever, but I just wouldn't because I'll probably block you on Twitter. Uh, by the way, Twitter, at Mimi Burris on Twitter if you want to follow me. Uh, or not. Totally cool either way. But if you do follow me, you get a cookie from the cookie jar. The invisible cookie jar. All right, with all that being said, this match, though, Jade Cargo versus Ruby Soho, the actual in-ring work part of it, I don't think it was very good. Uh, it was sad that it wasn't very good, but I, I think Jade Cargill is great, uh, and I understand why they put her in this spot. But I think if you're going to have a match with... Like, even if they even if the match with Thunder Rosa was the final this week, I still think I would feel the same way. I still think I would have been disappointed. Ruby Soho has, to me, shown one one really good match that I can recall and be like, oh, that was awesome. I loved watching that. I would watch that again. In her time in AEW. And you know when these people come from WWE. And then they come to AEW. And try to prove that they are this incredible talent. That hasn't been used enough on WWE television. And they don't. And to me Ruby Soho just hasn't shown enough fire. I think she's so over. But her in ring work is not up to par. Uh, and she's not alone by the way. There are other women who are in a similar boat with that. I think. Uh, Britt Baker, as much as you guys know, right? She's my favorite wrestler right now. Man, woman, whatever you want to identify as. Ruby, I mean, uh, uh, Britt, oh my god. Britt Baker is number one. And her in-ring work has improved immensely. But it's still not up to par with how over she is. And I think the same thing for Ruby Soho. I just don't think that she's this great hand that she was expected to be. I never knew where people got that from. I never thought she was this great in-ring, in-ring worker. And I really haven't seen it. Uh, that Chris Statlander match, though, was really good. I really love that match, and I just don't think that this hit. I think if that Chris Statlander match was this final, I probably would have been way more happy with it or impressed. But, yeah, I, I thought this was sloppy. I think Ruby Soho's kicks and strikes a lot of the time look sloppy. I think both women got lost a lot. And um, the finish looked rough, too. Oh, it looked like a rough bump to take. Uh, I don't know how that was supposed to turn out, but that uh, the glam slam off the turnbucket was a cool idea, but this is the same thing that goes with the women's division that they're having a problem with. It's the fundamental things that they're struggling with. It's not the big spots, right? Look at that street fight on Rampage. They got that down, but I don't need to see these big spots. Sometimes I just want to see like the women actually know how to do the little fundamentals so they don't get lost in a match and it doesn't end up looking like this and sloppy and all that stuff. However, let me put a little compliment sandwich on this, put a little good twist to this right Mercedes Martinez is somebody who's got the fundamentals down 
who will not get lost in a match like a lot of these women will. At least nearly as much. Um, so continue to get hands like her and your Serena Deebs. Even your Sheetas. I would say less so for me for Sheeta because I, I, I haven't seen... I think Sheeta's definitely capable of it. I, I think that Sheeta was working with a lot less experienced wrestlers than I've seen Mercedes Martinez work with and um, and even Serena Deeb work with. So... <sighs> Cast your mind back to double or nothing, pre-show, opening, buy-in, whatever you want to call it. Serena D versus Riho. Now, Riho does not need to be guided at all, right? Um, but that was such a good match, not because it was this giant spot fest, but it was actually, if you look at just the fundamentals back and forth between those two women were so airtight. And the story told was so good. And the facials of Serena D, well, she just wanted to break Riho's poor little leg. It was so good. That's the stuff I'm talking about. I don't need these like cool spots of the glam slam, the jaded, whatever it's called off the top rope. If you can't figure out how to throw each other into the corner and throw a punch at each other. It, it just doesn't, that's, when that stuff doesn't look good, the rest of it doesn't matter to me. You can't put sprinkles on a cake that ain't there. And that's how I feel about a lot of these women's matches. So... Yeah, I was disappointed in this, but I really wasn't really. I think I was disappointed, but I had also not expected a lot, and and I I don't think this was a culmination of anything too. Great. I also think the placement on the show showed a lot too. Your first show on TBS, and you're having your first the final of a tournament for the TBS title, and you put it as a second match on the show, or the third match on the show, whatever it's called. It, it's not a good look. It's just not a good look. Um, and it and again, the crowd wasn't up for it because it wasn't a good match and because you're just continuously being told not to care about the women's division and not to care about the CBS title. Uh, Jade Cargill's daughter, though, cutest daughter I've ever seen in my entire life. Cutest kid. Cutest in the world. Um, hopefully, Jade Cargill's in-ring continues to improve, but um, I I don't think... I don't think this is up to Jade Cargill. I think this was kind of really... To me, it's Ruby Soho who just looks sloppy to me. And if it was just this match, maybe I'd question a little bit because I am also not a professional wrestler. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about 99% of the time. But when you put the math together, right, I, I really... I mean, that Nyla Rose match was okay too, but Nyla Rose is a good hand. Um, when you put her against a lot of the other women she's wrestled, maybe the Britt Baker match was, was pretty good. I mean, it was the main event at Grand Slam. I, I was watching it live, so I don't remember as much from it necessarily, like fundamental-wise. Not really paying attention to that whole thing. But on TV, it's much clearer, and, and these women got lost. And then, too, if you're a troll on Twitter saying that Jade Cargo won because of this, or Ruby Soho lost because of this, or whatever, go home. Just delete your Twitter and go home. Like, we don't need to talk about that. But that that's why I wanted to bring up the whole big, swole Tony Khan thing, because... I think they set this one, these women up for failure even more so than um, than they already have been. Than they already have been. It was even more of an uphill battle. So I don't mean to pick on Ruby Soho. I really like Ruby Soho. Jacket was awesome. The match was good. Uh, we're going to talk about... You know what? Let's just talk about that backstage beatdown thing now. Because if we're on the women's division, we might as well get to it. I did like... They're doing this thing with... Um, uh, with... What's her name? Why can't I remember her name? Um... Oh my gosh. Well, it's Chris Statlander and uh, they had the match on Dark, too. That they, what, Can I remember her name, you guys? Layla Hirsch. Layla freaking Hirsch. 
that, that's not even on AEW, the women's division. That's just on bad memory. Um, but Layla Hirsch and uh, Chris Statlander, I like the little video packages we're getting of them. I think it, I, you hopefully you don't want it to be overkill, but I'm, I'm liking that. I'm liking that they're building other feuds in the women's division. I think Layla Hirsch is super talented, and I think Chris, Chris Statlander should probably be a future TBS champion and then a future women's champion or vice versa. Um, I think Chris Statlander is, to me, has shown a lot more reliability in the ring, fundamentally, than a Ruby Soho has. And uh, not just because of her amount of time in AEW, but since she's come back from her injury, she doesn't look like she's taken a step wrong for me. So that match with Layla Hirsch was awesome on Rampage. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. All right, I'm getting totally off topic. I like that video package. And then the interview backstage with... um, Ruby Soho, I was so angry, by the way, that they didn't just keep the camera on Jade Cargill for a little while longer. And, like, again, they cut so quickly away. They couldn't have cut anything out. You couldn't have cut, I don't know, the Chris Jericho segment out to just give this a little bit more time to breathe so Jade Cargill had a little bit of time to celebrate. Even, even I know she's a heel, but even, like, celebrate with her daughter. Like, have a moment to celebrate the first ever TBS championship win on TBS. The first ever Dynamite on TBS. First ever TBS championship win. And she doesn't even get a second to celebrate on television. We can't even keep the camera on her for two seconds. No, we need to cut to the next men's division crap. Um, but yes, there was an interview. Ruby Soho backstage. She's talking about the loss. And she says, oh, I can't even get through an interview. Because there's another interruption. And everybody, I said it was coming. 2022 AEW Dynamite. I don't know if I could do Rampage 2. because I just Just Dynamite. We're just talking Dynamite. The amount of interviews that are interrupted starts with one. Preferably, uh, I think the rules to this are going to be just interviews uh, where someone is actually being asked a question, not just promo trains or, you know, like the Chris Jericho thing. I don't count that. But yes, interviews that are interrupted, specifically backstage, but I'm sure there are going to be plenty on the stage and in the ring as well. We're starting with one for 2022, and I am. We're holding AEW accountable this year to that because it was way too overused last year. And just because you point it out and have Ruby Soho go, "Oh, I can't even get through an interview without being interrupted," doesn't mean you you're still doing the thing. Just because you point out the thing, just because Adam Cole points to the camera and says, "Brandon Cutler, like Cutler, are we on? Like whatever," it's you're still you're still doing the thing. I don't know why they do that, by the way. Why can't they just have somebody else film them? I don't I don't get. I don't. It's just annoying to me, but. Uh, Ruby Soho interview, Britt Baker comes to interrupt, Riho comes out of nowhere, there's a brawl, and we have Battle of the Belts on Saturday. And that's about it. Uh, that's, that's the, that's what they did to build the women's title program. I appreciate that they're doing other feuds outside of the title program, but they also gotta focus on the title program a little bit too, and, and give, give people like Riho more chances on television, because she exudes babyface to a lot of people, is Riho my favorite wrestler, guys, subjectively? No. But do I see the objective value in her and giving her more TV time? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. All right, let me move on before I... I'm going to never stop talking about anything else. All right, Brian Pillman versus Malachi Black. Finally, something I just enjoyed because we just saw... You know what, guys? This was a match for a couple minutes, but really, Malachi Black just kicked Brian Pillman's head off, and that was great, and I really enjoyed that part of the match. The second part... The after the match, uh, the arena goes black. Malachi Black disappears, goes on the ramp. The young, um, excuse me, the Lucha Bros had come out for a br- brief second too, and then the Lucha Bros 
or back in the ring. I don't know. There were a lot of blackouts. It was a lot of, it was really, it was really awkward and weird. Uh, I assume this is Brody King arriving soon uh, from Ring of Honor. I, I assume that that's the the whole blackout thing, and that's why they keep doing that. I was surprised that he didn't debut on this episode of Dynamite. I was expecting a big surprise or something like that from them, but I guess we can't always expect that from AEW, and um, Tony Khan didn't promise anything or anything like that. So uh, if Malachi Black's feud with the Varsity Blondes is just to get him into a tag team, and then we're going to see Malachi Black and uh, Brody King versus maybe the Varsity Blondes, maybe this is just over. I don't know. Uh, Brian Pillman's hair looked ridiculous in that ponytail. The eye patch on Julia Black was just wonderful. Julia Black. Oh my gosh. No. She's married to Malachi Black now, guys. The mist is a wedding. They were now married in some countries. No. Um, uh, Julia Hart. The mist and the eye patch and everything. That was funny to me. But this wasn't anything. I think we're just... This was like... This was one of those things in AEW that you're like, Oh, okay, but we're we're getting to something really cool. But the getting to a part is kind of like, eh. And uh, I say that all... Objectively, because subjectively, I could watch uh, Malachi Black kick people's heads off all the time. Specifically, Brock Anderson and Brian Pillman Jr. is probably up there on that list, too. So, really like this. Uh, but objectively, it probably wasn't the best thing in the world. Speaking of objectively, this wasn't the best thing in the world. I don't know if that's the case, actually. Sub- subjectively, I hated this. Let me put it that way. We had the AEW Tag Team Championship match. The Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express. And the Lucha Bros lost. That's your review, guys. That's the end of the review. Okay, actually, actually, we'll talk about it for a brief minute. Uh, this match was fucking incredible. Uh, some of the spots in this match were absolutely unbelievable. Whenever Ray Phoenix walks the tightrope, and he doesn't even walk it, he, like, runs it. And he, and he kicks somebody off it, he does a hurricane or whatever. Not only are you balancing on that tightrope, but you're balancing enough to then propel yourself off of it. I love that man, you guys. I love that man. And I love whenever Penta wears that whole Joker outfit look. He was doing it too many times in a row, I thought, for a while. But it's such a good look. It is such a good look. The um, back and forth between Luchasaurus and uh, Penta in this match I thought was uh, specifically really entertaining. The chops, watching um, Luchasaurus no-sell stuff is always awesome to me. There was... The craziest Canadian Destroyer spot in this. We had one Canadian Destroyer from Jungle Boy to Ray Phoenix over Penta, who was on Luchasaurus's shoulders, and then Luchasaurus hitting a Canadian Destroyer to Penta. Yes, that that all happened, real life. Not like not even a vi- that's something in a video game you couldn't even manage to do. I feel like oh my gosh, these guys are so fun to watch, so fun to watch. Um. However, we had a spot uh, where Jungle Boy kicked out near fall, and then Luchasaurus sent Ray Phoenix through a table, and then Penta got pinned by Jungle Boy uh, in a roll-up and everything. Oh, I forgot to mention Jungle Boy went for the kill switch as well. Um, and Christian ended up chasing Alex Iberandez out of the ring too at some point. But yes, so the, Lucha, uh, the Jurassic Express defeated the Lucha Bros. <sighs> And then we had a bunch of, like, tag teams or single stars. A little bit of both, like, all sitting and staring at the at Jurassic Express, obviously. Pining for that title match. I assume maybe Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Maybe Proud and Powerful. Maybe it's 
uh, Alistair Black and Brody King. We have obviously 2.0 that were up there. A bunch, a bunch of different tag teams all up there staring at the new tag team champions. I think supposedly trying to bring some prestige back to the tag team title since the Young Bucks lost it. Because really, this reign for the Lucha Bros, as much as I love the Lucha Bros, has kind of sucked. Uh, I'm thinking about they had the Butcher and the Blade, FTR. Did they defend it against... No, the acclaimed, or they just have a match against the acclaimed. I, I don't know. I just didn't. This title run wasn't great, and you know it's very clear that once the titles got off the Young Bucks, uh, and really to some non-native English speakers, it uh, it became less important. They became less important, and that's just the fact of it. And and you know what, guys, I, I'm not saying that Tony Khan or any of these people in the back are like consciously doing this stuff. I, I, sometimes I think all this stuff is really subconscious and I think as like American professional wrestling fans we don't even realize or talk about it enough too. Uh, it's sad that we have a challenger like Riho who does not get nearly as much TV time as a challenger like a Ruby Soho. Or we have a challenger like uh, or champions like the Lucha Bros who don't get nearly as much time as the Young Bucks and or just like attention and, and care to their storylines. I mean it's just and I don't know if um if it's that the Lucha Bros don't come up with as much stuff, I, I'm not completely blaming this on the booking. It could also just be that, well, the women's stuff we could talk about, but I'm, I'm. It could also be that the Lucha Bros aren't coming up with storylines like the, uh, the Young Bucks did or anything. Like I don't know the ins and outs of the back, but something needs to change where we're not getting this weird vibe that only certain people. Only certain people's title reigns actually matter. Only certain people matter when they're actually challengers. Only certain people like, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I want to go down that road. I just my my point is, is this was a really disappointing run for the Lucha Bros. And I also understand that the Lucha Bros are probably better at chasing the titles than winning them. I also want to say so is Hangman Page. And they managed to make a storyline where you still felt like Hangman Page was the underdog. I mean, turn the Lucha Bros. He, I don't know, do something with them and uh, and give them a little more oomph. I, I don't know if maybe they called an audible because uh, Ray Phoenix clearly looked like he took a rough bump and hurt his arm earlier on in the match. I don't know if that was part of it, but I couldn't tell after a while anyways. So this was a really good match, but I just, and, and I, and every now and then a shock title change is fine. But I think with everything going on and, and the clear, I think of Tony Khan's stupid tweet. It, this just felt tainted as well. This got tainted as well for me. And um, and if it didn't for you, by the way, power to you. I'm I'm really, that's really fine. And it's not just because I really love Ray Phoenix, guys. All jokes aside, like we're serious conversation here for a second. But like, um, if it didn't for you, that's perfectly fine. And if you didn't even if you don't even know what I'm talking about about this tweet and this big swole stuff, whatever, that's cool too. That's really good too. Um, it's just I I I think. I think Tony Khan made a really stupid decision, uh, and, and I think this suffered from it as well. Not just the women's match, but I also feel like this kind of suffered from it as well, for me at least. And Because um, when you really look at the broader issue of what we're talking about here between Big Swole and Tony Khan, it's an issue everywhere in the world, but specifically when you claim to be the babyface company. I'm not saying any company is going to be perfect, but there's some clear things going on here, and and... Just, just felt like poor timing to me, uh, and you know this was probably planned way ahead. But Tony Khan just really kind of screwed the pooch on this one with one little remark. That's how easy it can be. I, I don't know if I'm making any sense right now, guys. I'm overtired. 
I gotta drink some cranberry juice and go to bed. Um, but I am excited and happy for uh, Jurassic Express. I think Luchasaurus, I'm really happy he gets to hold a title, too, because I have a feeling we're not going to see a singles title run from Luchasaurus, though we should. Though we should, personally, because he could be the first dinosaur man champion in all of professional wrestling. All right, guys, with all that being said, I'm going to do that thing. I'm not going to have cranberry juice. Maybe I will have some cranberry juice and go to bed. I don't know why I said that, because that's not what I was planning on doing, but it does sound good the more I say it. So have a wonderful rest of your evening. Let's hope that life gets, like, let's hope tomorrow is better than today. The more you, I'm not going to sing this time. Have a great rest of your day. I got to get off this microphone before I start saying some weird stuff or more weird stuff. I can't wait to talk about Dynamite next week with you guys. Can't wait to talk about Battle of the Belts. Can't wait to hear about what's going on on Rampage. Why is Cody Rhodes facing Sammy Guevara again for Battle of the Belts, by the way? That's never... Why is he getting a rematch? Why are we doing that? Why is there a lot of rematches? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We're not going down that line. We're not going down there. Have a great rest of your night, guys, or evening, or afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this podcast. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.